read some verses to you. I'm, I'm preaching now. Here we go. I want to read some verses to you, and I, and I, and I want to know. I got uh, one, two, three, four, five different passages. I, I'm gonna. I got more. I'm gonna read eventually, but right now, I got I got five passages I want to read to you, and I I want to I want to know if you really believe this. Numbers twenty three and nineteen says, <clears throat> "You." take a break thank you I was a little nicer than the missionary you know <laughs> numbers 23 19 God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent hath he said and shall he not do it or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Anybody believe that? Hebrews six seventeen, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Anybody believe those verses? Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Anybody believe that? Actually, I got the same passage twice, so four passages. 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 20. For all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. For all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him, amen. God is not a man that he should lie. The vision will come to pass. What God said, anybody believe that what God promises, he, he fulfills? That if God promises and doesn't do it and lies, then he can't be God. So God can't lie, right? Then why haven't we seen promises? You're getting all excited. I ain't about to preach to you about promises. Sorry. And it's Sunday night and we got a few guests here. And so this is your first time in an apostolic service. Welcome. You're going to get the whole shebang. I'm preaching to the church tonight. If you're a guest and you haven't really decided whether or not you want to walk with Jesus, you're, you're not getting preached to tonight. You're okay. You can sit there and just say, Sick them, preacher. We get all excited about the promises. We get excited about corporate promises. And we get excited about personal promises. And some of us have got some promises that have been given to us decades ago and we haven't seen them yet. And of course, I know we all like that verse that it's for an appointed time. And it is. But not every promise has yet to come to pass because it's not the appointed time. 
Not every promise that you and I haven't received is, well, it's just not the time yet. No, that's not the case. I've heard a verse two times this week. That's not necessarily a common thing, especially this verse. First time I heard it was on the phone the other day. I mentioned this morning I had talked to Brother Jackson. I was on the phone the other day with Brother Jackson. And then over the course of Friday evening, I think it was, and throughout some of the day yesterday, a message Brother Mark Morgan had just preached at a conference in California, I think maybe like Thursday night. And in the course of some of his message, he he mentioned the same verse. Actually, the moment Brother Jackson mentioned it in the course of conversation, it was quickened to my spirit that that was, that was supposed to be a part of or, or, or the message, whatever, part of the message for this evening and then of hearing it again. I want you to listen to these verses in Exodus chapter 23. God promised the children of Israel the promised land. He said, I'm going to give you a land. I got a land flowing with milk and honey. I am promising you that land. I'm going to give it to you. But I want you to watch what he tells them in Exodus 23 and verse 28. I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. But now watch this, watch this. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year. I'm not going to get rid of all of the enemy right away. Lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. And he says this in verse 30. By little and little... I will drive them out from before thee until what? Until thou be increased and inherit the land. You're not going to cross the Jordan into the promised land and every obstacle and problem and battle is going to be gone. In fact, what God was saying here, and you can read this in some other places, God was saying, I'm actually going to leave some adversity, but I'm actually using the adversity to take care of what I'm going to give you. Because if I were to drive out everything immediately when you entered the land, that would actually end up being for the negative because you're not ready to take care of the land. So I'm going to give you the land little by little. I'm going to give it to you piece by piece as you increase. As you increase, I'm going to give you more. I have already promised you the whole land. I've already promised you the promised land. But I'm only going to give you a little bit at a time. Because I'm only going to give you what you're ready to handle. Oh, Jesus. I'm only going to push back enough adversaries and enemies to give you enough. When it comes time, I can use the hornets to drive the enemy out. I don't even need you to fight. I'll take care of it. But I'm not going to do that until you are ready. Until you have increased. 
That's what that word increase means. I know what I thought it or assumed it meant. Just, you know, multiply, grow, expand. But the word increase there means to bear fruit, to be fruitful, to branch off, to make fruitful, to show fruitfulness. As there is fruitfulness manifested in your life, I'm going to give you increase. But I'm only going to give you the increase as fruitfulness is manifested. My wife asked me this afternoon, she knows better than to do this, but God bless her, she still does it anyway. She, she was feeling the direction at the beginning here for service. And see, are you, are you going to be preaching an encouraging, whatever, encouraging message tonight? I just won't say anything. I just don't want to get up there and sing, you know, altar call songs, and then you, we, we have the opposite. Y'all get up here and sing and dance and shout, and then I get up and drop the bomb. I, I just, I said, it's fine. I need more than fine. Boy, I'm telling you, there, there was something moved in this sanctuary. I'm hungry. I'm desperate. Immerse me. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I decrease as you increase. It's all about you. It's not about me. And I'm telling you, there was something moving. Because we know how to move with it here. Yeah, that's why I saw some of you, you, I saw tears, and I'm not diminishing what was going on. I'm not minimized because there's a bunch of sincere people that were responding to the worship and the singing. And you were responding to what you felt. But the problem is we are professional responders here. We know how to tell God how desperate we are here. We know how to tell God how hungry we are on Sunday night. We need to, we know how to tell God in this atmosphere, I decrease as you increase. And then we go home and spend a couple hours falling asleep to Netflix or getting on a gaming system and spending hours on a gaming system. And so every now and then, we have this deep move like was happening a few minutes ago. And it soothes our conscience. And we do nothing about it. We are full of promises that have yet to come to pass. And I've come to tell us tonight, there's some corporate promises. And there's some individual promises. It's not because it's not time yet. It's not because we're waiting on the appointed time. It's because God's looking at us and says, little by little, I'm going to give what I've got. I've got some things for you. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Neither has it entered in to the hearts of man the things that have already been prepared but I'm not going to give it all to you I'm going to do it little by little believe, you know I believe in what happens in this sanctuary. I believe there is an absolute 
purpose and place for what we do when we come together. I believe it with everything in me. But what needs to happen is not tonight in this atmosphere. Immerse me. But tomorrow morning, getting out of bed a little bit earlier than you got to get out of bed and getting down beside your bed without a worship team, without the atmosphere of the sanctuary, and then saying, I am desperate for you. I am hungry for you. I don't mean to be unkind. And again, it's Sunday night. I I, I try to be sweet and kind. I, I, I say what I'm supposed to say on Sunday morning, but I try to be sweet and kind. I, I'm not here to be sweet and kind tonight. I'm not here to be mean, but I'm not here to just try to water it down. So I am, uh, I am so tired. I am so weary of hearing. I, it not if 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 you're if you've only been here a couple of months or even just a few years. I'm not talking to you in what I'm about to say. Hear me. I'm not talking to you. I am getting so weary, Brother Middleton, of people that have been here 10, 15, 20 years, always talking a great talk about wanting God to use them, always talking the talk about a calling. But what are you doing? want to know why you're not getting more and getting more responsibility and more ministry because you're not increasing. remember I feel like it was at some point last year in, in a United service or something it may be a, it may have been from 2020 and the and the United weekend outside when Bishop talked about the promises to Antioch I I don't I feel like it was more recent than that service I think he did I know he did at that service but I I feel like there was something more recent than then but we hear God God has promised to Antioch a hundred thousand members yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. All right, God's going to give us 100,000. Yeah, little by little. I said no major math, but if we had 100,000 people, if we had congregations that averaged 250 people, which are pretty decent sized congregations, the average church size in America, I think, is around 75, all denominations. So 250 people is a pretty good-sized church. To have congregations of 250 people, that means we need 400. 400 elders. To have congregations that average 200, we need 500 elders. To have congregations that only average 100 people, we need a thousand elders. Not a thousand church members, a thousand elders. Let me put that into perspective. Let's go back to the 250 and needing 500. This is a down Sunday night with people either out sick or still quarantining, so you can't. But, but on a good Sunday night, 
On a good Sunday night, Brother Barr, we got maybe 220. We want to dance and shout. God's going to give us 100,000 people. He's not going to give that to us. That means twice as many as what we have on a regular Sunday night is needed for leaders. You may get offended with me. You may get mad at me as long as it drives you to your knees. That's okay. There ain't 10% of the people in this place tonight that is right now in a position to pastor a church. I don't say that because I am. I say that because I know what goes into it. There's too many of you want to live at some mediocre level of commitment, but you want to be some uh, uh, elevated leader. The leader's got double the condemnation. I said it Thursday night, I'll say it again tonight. You can come in and sit there and do nothing the entire service, and for the most part, nobody will think twice about it. But what would you have done tonight if you walked in and from 6 o'clock... sat here and did nothing until it was my time to take the pulpit. You'd sit here the whole service going, what's wrong with Brother Wright? How come pastor's not worshiping? I wonder what pastor, I wonder what's going on with pastor. He's not worshiping. I don't resent that. It goes with the territory. It's the responsibility of the calling. I'm tired of hearing people say they're called and watching you kind of do that. Maybe not exactly that way, but pretty close. Boy, we want to talk about the calling. People want to line up for ministerial training class. What are you doing all the other days of the month? What are you doing all the other time? God's got a call. I'm not questioning the call. I'm not questioning the promise tonight. But He's going to give it to you little by little as you increase. The more fruitful you become, the more you're going to increase. Oh, it would have been so easy to just let it go. Some of you were starting to minister and pray. And I promise you, my flesh... My flesh wants to just let it go because we could leave tonight and talk about another deep move of God that we had. And I'm not saying it would not have been a deep move of God, but once again we walk out of here and soothe the conscience with a few moments in a sanctuary. I, I know, I, you know, I said something... I think it was last Sunday morning, The ver- I forget the verse, it said something about fatness and substance, and I made a joke about having the fat part down, and I left and was just feeling kind of embarrassed. And, you know, I, I know, I'm, I'm sorry you don't have one of these mega church pastors in tight skinny jeans and his sweater showing off his biceps that he's been at the gym. I, I don't have that. And I, I really, in, in, in light of that, I'm just being in my flesh, in light of that, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I really am a little bit embarrassed to even use the analogy that I'm about to use. You know, most of you know, I've, I've been playing racquetball. I 
uh, pre-COVID, I had been playing racquetball probably 15-plus years, three times a week. Most of the time during that time, I'd also work out some when I went to play racquetball. My weight just kept gradually increasing. And then in 2020, racquetball shut down, stuck at home. I started Weight Watchers. And from basically early July through the beginning of October, I lost 22 pounds without basically doing any exercise. I just changed my diet. I changed what I was putting in. Too many of us, too many of us live the way I lived. We try to balance it out. We try to balance out the carnality with spirituality. And at the very least, all we do is maintain. I believe, I believe in coming together. I, you know I do. I, I also believe it's not about just here. I'm sorry. Even if you come to three services a week, every week, if you spend the rest of the week eating of the things of this world, at the very best, at the very best, all you're doing is maintaining. If you're going to be fruitful, if you're going to have the promises that have been given to you fulfilled, it's going to take more than that. Some very familiar verses for many of us. The idea of fruitfulness is found in John 15 and verse number 4. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. I'm going to give you the little, the land little by little as you are fruitful. And then we come to the New Testament and he says, if you abide in me, not visit me. Not visit me. Not go on a date with me three times a week. If you live in me, if you move in me, if you have your being in me, then you will bear fruit. And you won't just bear fruit. You're going to bear much fruit. And as you bear fruit, I'm going to increase. I'm going to expand. I'm going to fulfill the promises I've given to you. Watch this, I'm reading in reverse here because that was verse 4 and 5. But listen to what verses 1 and 2 says. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that is not bearing fruit, he is going to remove it. But watch this. 
and every branch that beareth fruit, he's going to pat it on the back and congratulate it. Good job. Great job for fruitfulness. You're doing all, you're doing awesome. You're doing so wonderfully. I am so proud of your little bit of fruitfulness. No, every branch that beareth fruit, he's going to purge it so that it can bring forth more fruit. That's why you and I never arrive. We never arrive. I don't care what level of spirituality you're at. I don't care what your prayer life is like. I don't care what your devotion like is like. Life is like we never arrive. The natural illustrates the spiritual. It takes weeks and months and years to get physical gains working out. And days to start to lose it. You and I can't live off of the prayer life of the past. You and I can't live off the commitments of the past because God has allowed us to be fruitful. But then He comes along and says, I'm, I'm thankful for what's happened. I'm not diminishing what's happened, but I've, I've got more for you. But if I'm going to do more through you, I've got to purge you. I've got to purify you so that you can bear more fruit. I wish, I wish, my flesh wishes that I had the message that my wife was worried about me having, having, having y'all, y'all, y'all thought I was going there. You, you were getting pretty excited with me those first five, four passages. Y'all were starting, oh yeah, tell us some more about the promises. Tell us that God is faithful. Tell us that God's going to do it. He is, and He will. But a promise is not something from God for you and I to sit back and put it on cruise control and wait and see how God does it. The promise is the guarantee that if you will do your part, God will do His part. There's some places in Scripture where there were some awesome things that were done, but it was done without a promise. One of those was, was Jonathan and his armor bearer. The Philistines, I think it was, had been standing against the children of God. And all the people of Israel, all the soldiers were sitting around. They had stolen their weapons and they're all sitting around doing nothing. And finally Jonathan says to his armor bearer, let's go over to the enemy's camp. And let's just see what God will do. Jonathan wasn't in prayer that morning and God spoke to him or gave him a vision of a victory that day. He just simply said, you know what? We can sit here and nothing happened. We can go over there and nothing may happen. But let's just go see what God may do. Four lepers that were sitting outside the city gate in the midst of a famine and in the, I think it was the Syrian army encamped around them and they're sitting there and they're dying and they say if we go in the city we're going to die if we sit here we're going to die 
But if we go there, the worst thing that can happen is we die. Except the good thing about going there is we'll probably die quicker. I'm trying to be, because I know death is a serious thing, and I know I, I'm not, please hear me in the right way. And those four guys got up and began to walk towards the camp of the enemy. Absolutely no promise of God doing anything. No promise. Sister Gross, they didn't have a word. And really, in a lot of ways, I don't know that they even had faith. They just decided, I'm tired of sitting here. And God responded. My friend, if God will respond that way when somebody moves without a word, what is God going to do when you move in response to a word? Because if you're doing your part and then God doesn't do His part, what does that do? Makes God a liar. But the guarantee, I read it to you, God promises and what God promises, He does. He doesn't lie. Oh, geez, I wish we could just stop and do some spiritual warfare. The problem is it ain't devils. What I'm, what I'm feeling resistance to tonight, it ain't devils. Because you ain't a devil. It's flesh. The devil's a whole lot easier to deal with. Because you can bind the devil and cast him out. But I can't bind flesh and cast it out. I got to put flesh on the altar. We heard it at the beginning. The altar. And those songs were like altar songs. And some of you came to the altar. And the bottom line is we always need an altar. We never outgrow the altar. And you can talk all you want to talk. You can say all the great, wonderful things about visions and callings and promises if you want to. But if there is not an active altar in your life, you are not going to see the fulfillment of the promises. I, I, I referenced it Thursday night. I think I actually may have referenced it this morning. I can't remember. But the book I've been listening to since... I think Wednesday or Thursday by Ian Bounds on pastors and prayer. He's referenced throughout the book. I'm about three quarters of the way through it. Man, some of you may have never heard these names. Some of you will recognize them. But men like Robert Murray McShane and men like Jonathan Edwards and men like David Brainerd and, 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 and men like Charles Finney, men like Reese Howells, men that lived in the 1800s, many of them maybe a little earlier, some of them maybe even a little later, but men that were known for prayer. Men, men who, if they prayed less, less than three or four hours a day, felt like they were backslid. Were repenting, worried about their salvation. Hours and hours, so I forget which one of them it was, but one of them he referenced prayed on average eight hours a day. 
I understand, yeah, there are some things about those men in that time frame, sure. And, and, and even here tonight, I, I, I acknowledge I have, a, I have a way more flexible schedule than pretty much everybody in this room. But the bottom line is this, we've all got excuses if we want them. We've all got reasons why we don't pray more. We've all got reasons why we don't spend more time with God. And oh, how much we condemn ourselves when we've got all the time in the world for entertainment. When we've got all the time in the world for doing whatever we want to do. I've already jumped off the diving board, so there ain't no going back now. We, we are, I believe we are so positioned in this last, just in the last year, even with all the craziness of COVID and all that stuff, that the, some of the people that God has connected here, some of the people that brought, just this morning, my wife had a conversation with someone that's been a few times now, and, and, and they told her, there's such a, there's, there's such a power here. I, I feel a power here. I, 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 I'm. I like this place because I'm tired of churches that are living in fear. Tired of churches that are living in fear of churches that are living in fear of COVID. And I, I appreciate what I see and feel here. I am so burdened and disturbed by the number of children of God living with fear. I'm on the the exit ramp, but I'm trying to decide if I'm going to get back on the highway. I am so weary, disturbed. By the people of God living in fear. And, And it doesn't, oh Lord, here we go. It, 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 people that don't wear masks have fear. People that wear masks have fear. People that don't get vaccinated are battling fear. People that do get vaccinated are battling fear. What in the world? What in the world? Well, it's a real thing. Yeah, it is a real thing. It's also a real thing to go out on the highway tonight and get Hit head on. But I don't see you staying at home because of fear. Oh, Lord. I've been I've trying to do my, been since twenty beginning of 2020, I keep doing my absolute best. I'm going to keep doing my best doesn't change the fact that 
not, I'm not saying, let me just put it out there, just for the, I'm not saying just because you have a mask on or tonight or any other time that that means you're afraid. I, I've, I've, been, I've had several people communicate because of people they're around and out of respect and concern for others. I don't have a problem with that. I'm a t- I'm so, maybe a little bit of water and then that'll help it come out. I am so tired of people missing connection with the body of Christ. With the body of Christ. Because of fear. Are we living in perfect love or not? Are we living with a God who is in control? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Yeah, but what you're saying is nobody's going to get sick. No, that's not what I'm saying because people have gotten sick. And what you're saying is nobody's going to die. No, I'm not saying that because people have died. Saints of God have died. But I also read to you a couple of weeks ago in the book of Isaiah where the Lord says that sometimes I take people that you think is too early, but I did it to spare them. It is appointed unto man once to die, and it is appointed unto man. It's appointed by God when, and it's appointed by God how. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And isn't it amazing the enemy has wormed his way in and gotten fear into the body of Christ to get people disconnected from the body. Please, please, I'm not apologizing for what I'm saying, but I know some of you, you you are very sincere. And things like this, you take them personally. There's some of you I, I got no issue with. If, if the slipper doesn't fit, don't force your foot in it. I'm also really not trying to address humans right now. It's more the spirit that I'm tired of that is intimidating the body of Christ. Who was I? I know where I was. It's... it's I mean, we, I believe, I believe we are, we are, I believe, like I said about us individually, so it is corporately. There's always areas to grow and adjust and change. There's always things that need to be improved. Always, there always will be. I do not have 
the opinion for one single second in any way that we are a perfect church. We are a perfect, I don't think, we're not. We're human beings. We're sinners saved by grace. We're in the process of becoming. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet. I'm not where I hope I'm not where I'm going to be yet. If this is all there is, I'm pretty disappointed. If there's not more in God for me, if there's not more in God for my ministry, then I'm, I'm disappointed. Doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know. So I know there's room to grow. I know there's room for improvement. I also believe we are positioned. Let me just say it. I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down like this to be hopefully safe. As Antioch Central, in the five years of Antioch Central's history, I believe we are more positioned now for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost than we've been. And I think we've seen some indicators here and there. But I wonder, I wonder if the lack of a breakthrough is because God's going, I've already promised you the land. I've already told you I'm giving it all to you. But I can only give you the amount you're ready to take care of. We started, I started early, so you may think I've been preaching all night, but it's only 7 o'clock. I may preach all night, but right now it's only seven. 2018, when we restructured small groups at Antioch Central, we started with 17 oikos, oikoi. Supposedly oikoi is the plural. 17. As of the end of last year, we're now up to 23. And I, I shared this with the deacons yesterday morning on our monthly call, monthly meeting a couple of mornings ago. I'm not saying this was a thus saith the Lord. I, I, I'm not even qualifying. I'm not going to qualify other than to say I'm not saying this as a prophecy because I don't necessarily feel like that's what it was. But a couple of mornings ago, the Lord dropped into my spirit the number 30. I just felt like what the Lord was basically saying to me was, by the end of 2022, it's His will. We ought to have 30 groups. 30 oikos. By the end, how many of you think that's great? How many of you think that would be awesome? How many of you think it would be awesome to have 30 or more by the end of the year? How many of you think we should? Yeah, that's awesome. That's the prob- but the problem is we need seven more deacons. We need seven more individuals or seven more couples who are willing to be fruitful for God to expand. We, we, we have got so many promises as a church and as a congregation. The promises to Antioch apply to us. And then we've got some We've got promises that God has made in the last five years specifically to Antioch Central. 
So we've got Antioch promises. We've got Antioch central promises. And then there's a bunch of people in this place tonight that you have gotten promises that God has given. I'm not, it's not your wishful thinking. It's not just your dreaming it up. You've been given a word from God. Some of you got it on your own between you and God. And others of you, it was prophesied to you from somebody else. We are full of promises. And God is not a liar. God will do everything He said He would do. But the problem is we've got to increase so that He can increase. We've got to be more fruitful so that He can give us new territory. I've heard bishops say it many times and many of you have heard him say it. He said it at things like pause and other meetings like that. What would you do if this coming weekend a hundred people came and got baptized and got the Holy Ghost? That wouldn't that be awesome if we had a hundred people next Sunday get the Holy Ghost and get back? That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? It would. But it hasn't happened. I wonder if the reason it hasn't happened is because God knows I can only give you one or two. I can't give you a hundred because if I gave you a hundred, you'd leave them as babies on a doorstep somewhere. We, we've been getting all the baptismal and Holy Ghost certificates caught up and printed out and, and we were going to give a bunch of them out on New Year's Eve service and then we were going to give a bunch of them out tonight and then I just had to go mess it all up. Hopefully not me, but the Holy Ghost. Baptism and Holy Ghost certificates are awesome. It's wonderful to give them out in a service and celebrate somebody that got baptized and got the Holy Ghost and run the aisles and, 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 and get all excited. It's wonderful to do that. But all that is is the indicator of a start. A baptismal and a Holy Ghost certificate is not a diploma. It's not a certificate of completion. It's a certificate of starting. And that's a newborn babe that needs somebody to care for them, to nurture them, to look after them, to change a dirty diaper, to clean up, spit up, to give food. Brother, 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 brother Gonzalez prophesied a couple of years ago. God was had a vision. The wall busted out in expansion, and not figurative, not literally, but the figuratively what that meant. We've got the promises. We've got the promises. We've got the promises. But are we being fruitful? So that God can give us new territory. So that God can expand us. Hundred thousand. Ooh, hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. That's awesome. Boy, wouldn't it be cool to be a part of a church? Obviously, you can't put all that in the same location. But, you know, a body of a hundred thousand people. Woo! can't pastor Antioch Central by myself, much less thousands of people. 
harvest means disciplers. Means equippers. Means people that are willing to teach Bibles. And I know there are people here that do. Don't, don't, don't. It means it means people that are willing to give of their time. I, I, I said this again yesterday in the deacon's call. I've said it other times. Jesus says, greater love than no man, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. How many of you, this is, this is not a trick question. And if you respond in the affirmative, you are not arrogant and proud. So there, this is not a trick question. I'm not setting you up. How many of you feel like tonight, if you were put in a position to, 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 to have to protect a friend or a loved one, that, that you'd lay down your life for them? Anybody feel like you would? I think most of us, we, we would. Take a bullet for somebody, so to speak. You know what's sad, Tommy? We think we do that, and we might do that. We're willing to literally, we think we're willing to literally lay down our life for someone, but we won't give up a few hours of a week. We won't rearrange a schedule. We won't go out of our way to nurture and disciple somebody. That's just as much laying down your life. I don't think in the principle what Jesus was talking about for all of us was physically giving up your life. I think what Jesus was talking about was being able to set aside your agenda, to be able to set aside your dreams and your goals and your schedule if need. I'm all about, I preach and I believe in family. I believe priorities is God, family, ministry. And God and ministry are not synonymous. But there are some times... There's some people that can witness, attest to this. There's some elders in this place tonight that it can attest. And there's some times you got to lay all that aside for a, for a moment of need, a, 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 a moment of where somebody is, is hungry and desperate. And, and that means you may not get all the alone time you want. and You may not get all the you time you want. But you're willing to lay down your life. I'm going to go another step because it's not just about ministry and the need for more ministry, but it's also about the attitude and the spirit with which we treat what God gives us. We have a tendency to be selective with what sin bothers us. We are in a messed up world. I guess to some degree people have always been broken. And I'm just going to tell you in 2022, it's a whole nother level. I said it, I said it at pause. I can't remember if I've said it here, just to this congregation. I know I said it the Friday night when I ministered at pause. Loving somebody where they are and trusting God with the process 
is not compromising what I believe. Compromising what I believe is when I change what I do. When I condone sin in my life, when I condone things in my that's what compromise. But loving you where you are and loving others where they are and trusting God's process, that's not compromise. And I pray that God doesn't increase us with people that we run off. Think about this. They, 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 there's so many parts to this story that just is so puzzling to me. They, they, they catch a woman in the act of adultery. And they bring her to Jesus. You don't commit adultery by yourself. Takes two to tango. But all they do is bring her to Jesus. And they bring her to Jesus with their self-righteous attitudes. The law says. And she's broken the law. What do you say? And they were all ready. I mean, they were ready. They're walking with her to Jesus. And while they're walking with her to Jesus, they're looking for the biggest rock they can handle. Well, get me a rock. Because she's gonna, she's about to get stoned. We're about to we're about to have a party. I'm sorry, but that really to me was kind of their attitude. And they all gather around with her with their stones ready to stone her. And they're speaking to the one in the flesh who gave the law. They're talking to the very one who said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And the very one that has a right to judge her for breaking the law. And initially all he responds and says is, Let whoever of you that have no sin, let him cast the first stone. And and the Bible says this, this is, this is, I think this is pretty neat. From the eldest to the youngest. They began to walk away from the eldest to the youngest. I think one of the things about time and growing older is you become more and more aware of your imperfections and your weaknesses. When you're young and you're still kind of idealistic, you know, you're still hanging on to the fact, yeah, I got this. They begin to walk away one by one. And now she's left with the one who has the right to execute judgment. And isn't this amazing? He responds to her now and says, Woman, where 
where are thine accusers? Implying, I'm not one of them. And then he does more than imply. Because he says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I've got more hope for the person who's just been born again and still struggling with their sin than the person that's been walking with God for decades who's still hiding theirs. To increase got to have the right attitude. got to have the right spirit. If God's going to drive some things out and give us more territory, we've got to demonstrate and prove that we're trustworthy. We're not just trustworthy when it comes to personnel and availability of personnel, but we're trustworthy when it comes to our attitudes and our spirits. And if God is going to entrust us with the precious promises He's given us, we have got to demonstrate fruitfulness. I thought of this on the drive this evening, or maybe the Lord dropped this in my spirit, probably more accurate, not that I thought of it. When it comes to creation in the natural, we are adamant that God created and that evolution is not how things got here. We believe God created. Anybody believe God created the heavens and the earth? That this thing didn't get here by evolution. I, 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 this is what came to me this evening. Brother Barr, we got a lot of people who, naturally speaking, don't believe in evolution. They believe in creation. But we got a lot of people that spiritually believe in evolution. That I don't have to do anything. I can just be me and live my life, but I'm going to evolve into this great man or woman of God. There is no spiritual evolution. There is no spiritual evolution. There's got to be a hunger. There's got to be a thirst. I don't think I have to say this. I'm not preaching against what we sang tonight. I'm not preaching against the songs. I'm not preaching against the response. I'm just saying it's got to be more than what we do here. It's got to be more than what happens here. My, my wife, she's, she's so gracious. I get, I get so frustrated with myself. I get so frustrated with, I, I, you know, over these last couple of months, the holidays and all that. I've, I've, up leading up to Jalen and Esther's wedding, I, I lost about twelve pounds. wasn't as low as I was in twenty twenty, but I, I made progress. Since Jalen and Esther's. Wedding, I found all 12 I lost. And apparently some of those that I found had gained friends. 
And I sit around and I, I gripe and I moan. I, I mean, my wife, she just listens. She's just so supportive. And I, honestly, I don't know why she doesn't just say, shut up. I'm sitting there griping and complaining. I, I need to lose weight. And then I'm in the kitchen. Now complaining because there ain't no cookies or no sweets. I, I wish I was joking. I really did. I mean, I wish I was saying this just to get you to laugh. <laughs> Monday. There's always Monday. Every diet starts Monday. Mondays never seem to come. Oh, God. I, I, I've st- I, I don't believe. I don't believe God is all that caught up in the changing of the calendar year. An eternal God, I don't think, is too bothered by one date. But, but I do know, and, and there is something to us in our humanity that there is something about the changing of the calendar and the start of a new year that, that it does feel like somewhat of a new beginning and a fresh start. I mean, everything, all the problems we had on December 31st are the same problems we have on January 1st, but there's still something in our minds, something in our hearts that is, there's, there's an expectation. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. And so I, I, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. So what if, in what is still the first week of this year, what if, what if we made up our minds to pursue God in a way that would cause us to be fruitful so that God can increase? I, I have struggled trying to get direction. I, I really plan, I, I really thought that at some point within the first month we would, we would have some kind of corporate fast I know a lot of times some of us, I didn't say you, some of us wait for that because we just struggle doing it ourselves. And if we can do it and commit as a body, we'll do it. We usually do it. But I got to tell you, I've struggled. I've struggled feeling clear direction. Some of you may be saying, thank God. (laughs) But I got to tell you what I also think I felt this afternoon. Maybe the reason, Brother Middleton, that I'm struggling getting direction for a corporate fast is because God is interested in not seeing who will respond to a corporate fast, not seeing who will commit to a corporate effort, but seeing who's got enough hunger that says whether a fast gets called or not, i got to do some things. I'm hungry. Whether we, whether we have another engage or something along those lines or not, i gotta get, I got to find God in a new way. i got to get immersed in a new way. I've got to get immersed in a new dimension. And so I'm not going to sit around and wait to see what everybody else is going to do. i got to go after Him for myself. I've got to pursue Him for myself. I've got to make some changes in my own life. I've got to make some adjustments. I, I've got to see some purging and some purifying so that I can become more fruitful. I don't want to just be fruitful. I want to be more fruitful. I want there to be much fruit. I want whatever's got to happen to happen. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I ought to just dismiss you and, and make you leave right now. I'm not being facetious. I'm not being smart-alecky. Because I'm almost 
preaching out of both sides of my mouth to push you right now for any kind of response. Let's have an altar call. Let's all come here and tell God, and please, I'm not, I, I, I know we get some people come through here and, and, and we strike songs off of the, uh, the, 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 the potential for worship services. I, I'm not trying to, I'm all for. I got to go home with the worship leaders. So, really, I'm not trying to cause trouble. I don't think, I'm not really worried about that. I know her, she knows me. And we may, I'm not saying we won't here in a few moments. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Shane. Thank you very much, Shane. Thank you. I wish, I wish it wasn't just Shane. I, I really, I, I almost feel like if I. I don't, I don't, this almost sounds kind of carnal to say it this way, but I don't know a better way to say it. I almost feel like if I really had accomplished or was really being successful this evening, I would have had to just stop preaching because nobody was listening to me anymore because all of you had found yourself a place to pray. Folks, we're living in desperate times. In desperate times call for desperate measures. I think we're at a point in time where our old levels of devotion and our old levels of commitment and our old levels of dedication are not going to do it. Because just like I said about me and my weight when I was exercising but eating the wrong stuff, really I was losing ground. We're losing ground, folks. I'm sorry, we can rejoice and believe, and I believe in end-time promises and end-time harvest and revival, but it's, a, it's, a, it's us joining with God in that. It's not God doing it by Himself. God doesn't do it by Himself. God has chosen to use men and women to accomplish His work, and if we're living in a time in which things are amped up, it's going to take men and women who've got some amped up hunger and amped up this dedication and amped up commitment. It's going to take some people who are willing to stop arguing about whether it's sin or not. It's going to take some people that are willing to stop debating over whether or not that's just church doctrine and I don't really think that's necessary. It's going to take some people who decide to find themselves a place with them and God that aren't even worried about sin. But the prayer becomes, oh God, what are the weights in my life? God, what are the things that are holding me down? What are the things that are holding me back? What is it in my life? What are the things in my life, God, that may not be a problem for somebody else they they may not be a weight for someone else but they're a weight for me what are they God I've got to be fruitful so that you can increase me little by little I've got to be fruitful God so that you can fulfill the promises you've made to me I've got to stop sitting back and waiting on you God to fulfill your promises 
pointing fingers at you and even accusing you to be unfaithful because you haven't done what you said you would do. And you said little by little, little by little, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm telling you how I want to use you. I'm telling you what I want to do through your life. I'm telling you what I've called you to do. And all of that is true. And I'm going to do all of that if you'll let me do it. But I need you to increase little by little. I need you to grow little by little. I need you to become more fruitful little by little. Because if you will do that, I will do my part. Is there anybody here that you were singing earlier? And you meant what you were singing earlier. You felt what you were singing earlier. But is there any of you that were doing that? That it's deep enough. It's strong enough. That it's going to drive you outside of this worship service. It's going to drive you outside of this Sunday night service. To pursue. To reach for. To hunger for. To strive for. I'm desperate. We sang we're desperate. How desperate are you? We sang earlier we're desperate for Him. How desperate is the level of our desperation for Him only what we can get here in this sanctuary within a couple of hours? Is the degree of your desperation whatever just fits into this worship service? Or is there a desperation that will cause you to get up out of your bed at night and find a place to pray? Is there a desperation that will cause you to get up earlier in the morning than you have to get up and find a place to pray? Is there a desperation that will cause you to find some place on your lunch break to sit and pray and pursue God Where's the level of the desperation and the hunger? We've got some exceeding great and precious promises. Oh, we've got some exceeding great and precious promises. But He's not going to dump them all on us. He's not just going to open the floodgates and pour it all out at the same time. We're going to increase little by little. I'm done preaching. The worship team's not coming. We're not dismissing. Whatever you do from here on out is up to you. Whenever you want to leave, that's up to you. Whatever you want to do, that's up to you.